Before getting into the sermon this morning, let's take a look at some real advice that people have actually given. Today's title is Just a Little Advice. Just a little. Just a little. You got to say it like that. A little. Just a little advice. Um, so this is some advice that people have actually said to other people. If you ever get caught sleeping on the job, slowly raise your head and say, in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Another piece of advice is never trust an electrician with no eyebrows. If you sleep until lunchtime, you'll save money on breakfast. Silence is golden. Unless you have kids, then silence is suspicious. <laughs> the first time your toddler sneezes in your face, pay attention, right? Even if it's super funny, don't laugh when it happens because you will be sentencing yourself to years of purposeful in-your-face sneezes. If your kids suddenly start getting along and are nice to each other for no reason at all, be very suspicious. Something is up. If you don't know where your kids are in the house, turn off the Wi-Fi and watch them magically appear. Carry a fork with you everywhere you go, and if someone ever tries to rob you, you pull out that fork and say, thank you, Lord, for this meal I'm about to eat, and then charge them with that fork. <laughs> Last one. I don't care how nice the hand soap smells. You should never walk out of the restroom sniffing your fingers. <laughs> don't do that. Advice. It's out there for everyone, right? Everyone is either giving it or receiving it. It comes in two forms. Advice is either good or bad. For centuries, people have warned that some advice needs to be taken with a grain of salt. You know who, I, I think Eric is the only person I've heard that actually has said it. We got to take that advice with a grain of salt. But I've heard it like in movies and stuff. And so, but uh, he said that not too long ago. And you ever wonder what that meant, taking advice with a grain of salt? Well, in ancient times, salt was very hard to come by and uh, it was expensive and it was considered to be a form of medicine. Some advice was said to not be the healthiest advice. Therefore, you want to keep some medicine on hand just in case. Therefore, the saying, you know, take that advice with a grain of salt. That advice with a grain of salt. Some medicine. If you live long enough, you'll receive advice 
um, that is less than perfect. Has anyone received advice that was probably not so good? Anyone? Has no one ever received bad advice yet? I want to know your friends. Nobody? nobody? Okay, okay. All right. And you know what? The truth is that you'll probably give some advice that's not so good as well. Um, God brings individuals into our lives at just the right time to say just the right things, to be able uh, to discern and to sort out that advice, that good from bad is something that's important. Sometimes we push away the people that God is sending into our lives that he's trying to use to give us the good advice, to lead us in the right directions. And instead, we push the wrong people away and we pull in the wrong people. I mean, the right people we push away and the wrong people we pull in. Last week, we saw that Job chose to be faithful in the midst of suffering. And... uh, his, his story doesn't end there. You know, yes, he was faithful. He chose to be faithful, but his story doesn't end there. Um, his friends have some advice for him. And we'll be looking at some of these things just here and there and kind of learning from it. But the funny thing is this, that um, uh, it didn't end there. <laughs> it was only the first couple chapters. There's a lot more to go. And the majority of it, of the book of Job is a conversation between him and his friends. All the advice they have for him. Whether you are giving advice or receiving advice, there are some questions that we need to ask ourselves or those giving advice, that that piece of advice, before you can actually receive it. First question that we need to ask ourselves when giving or receiving advice, the first question is, Is it biblical? Is it biblical? Job chapter 5, verse 27. We have studied life and found all this to be true. Listen to my counsel and apply it to yourself. Job's friend had taken a look of the situation. Listen, there's a lot of there's a lot of verses here, so I want you to, you know, one day take a look at those conversations between, between uh, Job and his friends. But um, we're going to just be dipping in and out of some of these verses. It says, uh, he had taken a look at the situation. He had compared it to all the things that he knows in life, his friend, right? I know these things in life. I've experienced his experience, his opinions, Right? And uh, after his examination of the circumstances of Job's life, he says, I have found this to be true. I've taken a look at your situation, and pretty much from what I know, this is the truth. Right? We all know people that seem to think they know so much. Right? You have that friend that just knows it all? They, you know, that their words, that their opinions, it's true. Oh, we're just, I mean, you know, someone will say something like, oh, really? I mean, is that true? Oh, yeah, I mean, of course, I just said it. Of course it's true. I just said it. No, I mean, but where did you get that? Like, don't worry about it. I just told you it's true. 
What are your reasons? What are your sources? My sources are me, myself, and I. There are people like that in our lives. But it's important to remember that the personal observations and personal opinions of others do not equal foolproof counsel. Foolproof counsel. The truth is that there are so many differing opinions that are bombarding us on a daily basis. I mean, come on. How many people hear an opinion about something in one day? Uh, You hear it when you try something new with your wardrobe or you try a new haircut or you try. I mean, you can go through the whole day and you have heard a million things throughout the whole day of what everyone thought of that look, what everyone thought, what everyone felt. We're bombarded all day with different opinions. And to assume that all opinions are true would be a very foolish decision on your end. It's only through the examination of the word of truth, the word of truth. God's word is called word of truth, right? It's it's through the examination of the word of truth that allows us to discern counsel, good from bad. So, therefore, it's important that we understand that Is it biblical? Proverbs 2, 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So we know that from his mouth came the word of God, right? This this word, this is God's word. And if you want wisdom, and it doesn't come from here in the first place, then is it wise? He says wisdom is... Uh, knowledge and understanding, before giving or receiving advice, the most important question to ask, is it biblical? What does God say about this? Where does God give me wisdom in this, on this area, understanding and knowledge? Beware when you hear statements that sound a little like this. I know the Bible doesn't say this, but... Your antenna should automatically go out. Blink, blink. Like when someone wants to give you advice, listen, let me give you some advice. I know it's not in the Bible, but oh, 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 oh. Just save your breath. Just save your breath. Save your breath. Don't, don't worry about it. Also, beware on the flip side when you try to give someone advice and you hear things like, don't give me Bible. Don't give me Bible. Don't tell me what the Bible says about this. Now, I want you to, I want you to understand so that you, church, you, you, you guys learn something about me. If you tell me not to give you Bible, what you are telling me is I don't want to know what God says about my situation. I don't want to know what God wants me to do. I don't want to submit to God. I don't want to, I don't want to obey. I don't want to know truth because if I know the truth, then I'm, you know, then, then I'm supposed to be doing it, right? Yeah. I don't want truth. I just want to hear what's going to make me feel better about what I'm doing, how I'm living, 
which in these cases is usually sinful. Does that make sense? Is it biblical? Two, is it factual? Job chapter 11, 13 to 15. If only you would prepare your heart and lift up your hands to him in prayer. Get rid of your sins and leave all iniquity behind you. Then your face will be brightened with innocence. You will be strong and free of fear. These are little snippets of the advice that Job's friends are giving Job. Now, I mean, first glance at this, you look at it and like, well, that doesn't sound so bad. I mean, he's telling him to, uh, you know, what's wrong with what, what's wrong with he's telling him? You know, so at this point, it's uh, Zophar, he's telling him this advice. Doesn't seem that bad. You know, prepare your heart, lift your hands up, hands in prayer. That's good advice, right? Nothing wrong with that. Where Zafar starts to go wrong and ruins it all is in verse 14. Get rid of your sins. Leave all your iniquity behind. You know what iniquity means? Iniquity means immoral behavior. Zafar, his friend Zafar, he couldn't comprehend. Like in his mind, he's like, you are in this situation because you must have done something bad. You know, he's assuming that his condition... It was because he had sinned greatly against God. And this is why he was going through all of this. You know, we have people in our lives, right, that, that when you're going through something like, well, what did you do? What did you do? You deserve this somehow. I mean, God doesn't just do this for no reason. Like, you must have done something to deserve this. And this is what his friend Zafar is telling him. Zafar is telling him, like, what did you do? And the thing is, he wasn't alone. The other friend, right, Eli, Eli, Eliphaz, shared the same assumption. He shared the same assumption, and we see that in four in Job chapter 4, verse 8. He goes, my experience, you know, he's got a lot of, uh, you know, you just hear the, con- the tone from his friends, right? My experience shows that those who plant trouble and cultivate evil will harvest the same. This is the thing. The problem with both their assumptions about Job sinning greatly before God, resulting in this great suffering, was that they were completely wrong. This was not factual. These were not the facts. Remember what God said about Job, and we read it last week. We'll read it again. Job 1.8. It says, Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is, blame, a blame, he is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. This is God speaking this from his mouth, telling, him, telling this to Satan. And so if God is saying this about Job, then can we say that Job is living with iniquity? living in iniquity? Is, is, is he living a lifestyle of immoral behavior? Can't be. He can't be. So the fact, so the thing is that they're wrong. They're giving advice that is not factual. When we give advice, please stick to the facts. If you're receiving advice, stick to the facts. God has just been bragging about this, his servant Job. 
He's just been bragging. The suffering he was enduring is the toughest test of Job's life. It was the toughest test of his life. It was not a punishment for sin. What he was going through was a test, was not a punishment. Sometimes we're too quick to to, to think that what we're going through is punishment for something. And sometimes we do it to ourselves, right? We're going through something like, man, this must have been for that time, or, or I, I, you know, the way I used to live, wilding out back when I was younger, it all caught up to me. And sometimes we, 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 put, we put the situations that we're going through on us as punishments, and, and the reality is it's like this is an opportunity to hold on to God and not give up, and not give up. But so far, and Eliphaz advice, they, it missed the mark because it wasn't factual. Careful attention must be made. It must be made um, to the advice, you know, to the factual information behind any advice. If the facts are wrong or incorrect when receiving, when you're hearing advice given to you, that most likely the advice in general is, is incorrect for your life. Third thing is, is it necessary? <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing in my mind about some things. Why is it that people like to hear themselves talk sometimes? That's why I was laughing. I was just thinking, why, why, is, there some, why is it some people like to hear themselves talk? I'm, I'm a, <laughs> All right. Um, is it necessary? Is the information necessary? Sometimes the best support given to someone is not words of advice, but just your silent presence. Just a silent presence. Think about this right now. Job had just lost everything. He lost it all like this. And at that moment, do you really think it was necessary for his friends, right, his friends to, uh, oh, not only his friends, his wife first, right, his wife to unleash this, uh, her, her, her words of stricken anger, uh, grief-stricken anger against him when she said, just curse God and die. Just curse him. That was her advice. That wasn't necessary. <laughs> that wasn't necessary. That doesn't make the situation any better. And then, and then his friends going back and forth for multiple chapters, giving advice that wasn't really helping. It wasn't necessary. Couldn't they just have sat with him and grieved in silence? In silence. Proverbs 17, 27, verse 28 says, a truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even tempered. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. So the Bible is even teaching 
some of us that may not be as intelligent as others, it's teaching you how to look intelligent. Don't talk so much. And they'll think you're smarter than you are. <laughs> That's what the Bible pretty much is saying. Many people still feel the need they have to say something when someone's going through. I understand a little bit of that feeling um, because it's hard because like, you feel like, what am I supposed to say at this moment? I, I should say something. I mean, I'm, I'm here. I should say something. They feel like they have to say something. And although they have no idea what to say, they try to figure something out. And most likely in those moments, they usually say things in error. When you, when you force yourself to try to think of something to say, you usually say things in error. And one of the most misquoted verses that makes an appearance in moments like these is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. I'll read you what the Bible says, and then I'll read you how it ends up in advice columns, right? The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. That's the full verse in context. Yet, what gets repeated in times of suffering doesn't really sound like this. <gasps> oh, what am I going to do? I don't, can't handle this. All this stuff I'm going through. All this and that. And then, and then you know, here's, here's Sasha like, oh, I got to say something. I, gotta say, I feel like I got to say something to, to Angelica. Angelica going through. I, gotta, I feel like I got to say something. And then Sasha's like, oh, don't worry about it. You're going to be all right. God ain't going to let you go through nothing you can't handle. You, you're going to be all good. Now, it sounds good. It sounds so supportive. It sounds, but the thing is, is that's not what the Bible says. And it said, and what the verse, where her, her, her interpretation of the verse was taken out of context. I do believe that some of us go through things more than what we can bear. I do believe that there are times that it, it, it will be too much for you. It will be. And those are the moments that you hold on the tightest to our Savior. Because it is not too much for him. It is not too strong for him. It's not too hard for him. It's not too complicated for him. And you know what? Sometimes it's those moments that, you know, because he loves you so much, he's like, oh, fine, I'm just going to have to step back a little bit. You know, I'm going to step back a little bit and, and, and let Joanna go through what she's got to go through. And then and in this season, she has an opportunity to, grow, to, to, to run to me and hold me tight. A woman lost her young son when he died during an operation to his heart. A church leader took her aside and says, I know this is a painful time for you but I know you will get through it all because God never sends us more of a burden than we can bear. God only let this happen to you because he knows that you are strong enough to handle it. She took a moment and she looked at him with, with, this, with this look of a, a painful look. And she drew the logical conclusion to his words. And she goes, so if I... Were only, if only I were a weaker person, Robbie would still be alive right now? If I were a weaker person, would my son still be alive right now? 
Because it's only because I was strong to bear it that my son is now passed. This incorrect. Do you understand the damage and the pain that we can cause when we take things out of the word of God out of context and how we can mislead people? So sometimes, you know, uh, it's, it's important that if, if you don't know what to say, don't say anything. Don't say anything. So you don't have to always, it's, it's not always necessary for you to have to give advice. Every mature Christian learns sooner or later that there are times when the best thing that we can do for one another is sit together and cry together. Cry together. Job's friends, they started out on the right track. We see that in this word, right? In Job chapter 2, verse 12 to 13, they started on the right track. It says when they saw, when they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, they tore their robes, they threw dust in the air over their heads to show their grief. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. No one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was far, was too great for words. They, 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 they were on the right track. They were doing the right thing. That was, that was good. Just be there for him. But after seven days, they had to mess it all up and started speaking when it wasn't necessary. The next question is, does it acknowledge the imperfections of human counsel, meaning like, do you realize that people could be wrong? Do you understand that people can be wrong, right? Romans chapter 1, verse 21 to 22 says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. Doesn't this sound like it's talking about Job's friends right here? Like they knew, but, but all of a sudden it's like they, they started to try to, to, try to uh, in their own minds, try to uh, form ideas of what God was thinking. Like they try to, to speak as of what God was thinking, what, why he did this, or what was the reasons. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. Not once in the entire book of Job did any of these pieces of advice givers, or any of these advice givers leave the door open for human imperfection. Instead, you hear phrases like, I observed we have examined it, and it is true. Church, you will be wrong one day. Some people are like, well, not today, Pastor. I ain't going to be wrong today. No, some, we will all be wrong. We will all say some wrong things, and we will all hear some wrong things. And the reason for that is that we are all people. We are all humans. And we are all flawed. There is no perfection in that. Uh, we are not perfect. And the only thing that can make us perfect is being in him, right? But then the perfection is not us. The perfection is his. 
he's perfect in all things. He's perfect. Our, our, our God is perfect. There comes a time when wise counsel is simply acknowledging that we may never know the answer to a question. That as a human being, we are limited in our knowledge. Job's questions of why, if you guys see the word of God, you know, he's, he's, he, he, you see the book of Job, he's asked a lot of like, why? Why is this happening to me? It all disappeared when he encountered God. Once he encounters God, once God speaks, Job does not ask why once again. All the, all the human counsel of the previous 35 chapters suddenly dissolve into meaningless chatter when the, when, when the, perfect, when the, when the perfection of God comes into the picture. Lastly, lastly, when giving advice, when hearing advice, is it spoken in love? I laugh because Oneda and I, we, you know, we, we've, this has come up several times. She, she'd be telling her family some things. She got, like, she got like 10 family members here today, right? But she, you know, um, She'd be kind of, you know, she'd be kind of rough with her family members, rough around the edges. And she's like, it's because I love them, Pastor. They need to know the truth. They only got to tell them. I was like, I know, I know, but we got to, we just got to tone it. Like, we say the same thing, but say it with love. <laughs> Dave, that makes a difference, right? Right? He like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you can say, you, you can say the exact same thing. And it sounds two different ways, right? <laughs> I know. I know you are. I know you are. You get in there. You get in there. It's, it's like this. It's, it's like it's, you can say, you can come up to me and say, hey, pastor, pastor, um, I noticed, you know, I noticed that shirt might be a little tight, you know, gaining a little bit of weight, you know, um, you know, uh, maybe we can go jogging together one day, you know, this and that. That's still kind of like rough to say to somebody. But that was said with love as opposed to, hey, what happened to your shirt today? Those buttons, the buttons are screaming for help. Jesus, help me. You know, there's a difference, right? We can say the same things to people, and you have a choice before the words leave your mouth. Are you going to say these words of counsel, of encouragement? Are these words of advice going to be said with love? Or are you going to say it like, are you going to say it in a, in a matter where you are speaking down to them? They mentioned that at the women's conference, they said, right? And that's the testimony of her trying to reach her brother, always speaking from an elevated place. And many times when we speak from an elevated place, there's a lack of love. I, I, like, to, I, like, to say that, I like to say this, when you speak from an elevated place, by the time the love reaches them, it's faded away. <laughs> Like, if, you, if you're so far up here and you, and you start with love, then by the time the words get down there, the love is kind of like expired, right? Sometimes we need to meet people where they're at and embrace them. Show them that you care. 
I, we, I've, have, I've had to have some very strong conversations with some people and, I've, and, and conversations where, first of all, it would be impossible to have conversations like that with people you don't know. People need to know that you love them. People need to know that you care about them. And then when the words come out, it's, Lord, help me say this with love. I can't bend it. I can't bend the truth. The truth is what it is. But help me say this with love in the right way so they can receive it. The conversation between Job and his friends becomes more and more heated as they struggle to question this suffering. To the point where his friend Bildad takes a cheap shot. Yo, this is, this, this is like a soap opera, like just in this, right? He takes, a, so he takes a, cheap, a cheap shot, and in Job chapter 8, verse 4, he says, Your children must have sinned against him, so their punishment was well deserved. This was only, this was only eight chapters, this is only seven chapters after, seven chapters after he loses it all. His kids are killed. He loses all his wealth, all his livestock, all his cattle. And just seven chapters forward, one of his friends says, well, your children must have did something bad. And you know what? They're, they're probably, they, probably got, they probably got what was coming to them. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't say that to a friend who's suffering. They lost it all, and you turn around and say this. Where is the love in that? Where is the love in that verse? There was none. Even advice, even if advice is given that is biblical, even if the advice is factual, even if the advice is necessary, all the things that we've mentioned, if it is not given in love, it can't be received. It can't be received. Oh, but the Bible says. I, or you can say, but the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Paul is urging the church of Ephesus. He's like, we need to speak the truth in love, in love. One thing that I will never ask you to do is to not tell the truth. I will never say, don't tell them the truth because, you know, oh, you know, they might cry, they might, no, no. We, we, we must tell the truth. If you guys are, um, have like uh, accountability partners, if you guys have people that you pray with, that you read with the word, if, uh, people that you, that you call throughout the week. And, and you know what? You need to be truthful to one another, but truthful in love, truthful in love. He even tells the church at Corinth how great having love is. He says, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and, and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
He says, I could speak the language of angels. And if I didn't have love, it would just be a big noise. Are we speaking to one another with love? In closing, when people are hurting, when people are suffering, we're looking at the life of Job here. When people are going through some rough things in their life, these are moments that people are looking for answers. They're looking for advice. You guys have ever gone through some things in your life that you're like, it's, it's bad. You feel like, you feel like, like it's, it's not good for you. You feel trapped. You feel in a cage. These are moments that you reach out. You look for answers. You, you look for advice. Like, what do I do? And these are the moments that it seems that at, the mom, at that moment, the answers are hard to come by. <laughs> right? When you're, when you're going through some suffering, it feels like I need advice and it's hard to come by. Like today's title states, a little advice. I want to give you a little advice this morning. A little advice that starts off with saying, you can trust, you can trust him. You can trust God. You can trust our Savior. You can trust our Lord. I start off with that because it's some, some of us find it so difficult to leave it all at the altar. We carry our stuff with us. And many times we carry it with us because we have taken care of ourselves for so many years. I can handle this too. I get it. I get it. I'm not, th- I'm not telling you to depend on me. I'm not telling anybody here to depend on me. As a matter of fact, do not depend on me. Please. But I am telling you to trust in him. I'm telling you to depend on God. I'm telling you to trust that he knows what you're going through. He knows how you feel. And he knows what you need. Church, can you stand with me this morning? Prayer, prayer team, can you guys make your way up? Some of us right now are in seasons of suffering. Job was in a season of suffering. Some of us right now are in a season of suffering. We're suffering in our relationship with God because it, it, it seems like a battle just to stay focused. It seems like a battle to, 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 to keep doing the right things or to want to do the right things. And it's a season that we're struggling with. Some of us are suffering in our marriages. Some of us are suffering with our children. And some of us are suffering with some of our friends and family members. And the advice seems scarce. The advice seems scarce. We say things like, nothing seems to work. Everything sounds the same. But I thought I tried. Or this, I mean, it, it applies to us all. We all say these things. But the advice is that you can trust him. And you can trust him because he loves you unconditionally. 
You trust him because he desires the best for you. Church, are you trusting him this morning? Where are you seeking your advice from? Where are you giving your advice from? God wants to speak to some of you guys today. He wants to, he wants to, he wants to lead you and, and give you the advice from his heart. But you got to be open to receive that. You have to be open to receive that advice. How many of you have given advice to individuals, but then those individuals to disregard your advice? You might do it again. You might do it again, but after the 20th time, you might say, well, I guess I just don't give advice anymore. What if you are one of those people that some of the people around you have given up on? What if you have asked for advice for so long, but yet you don't follow it, and now you feel alone in your walk? You feel alone in your life. You feel like, what do I do now? Well, I have a little advice for you guys. I want you to come to the altar because the best advice that awaits you can change your life. And it's not coming from man, but it's coming from God. God wants to use you, some of you, to give advice. And he wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit, which will give you wisdom and discernment to say all the things that he needs you to say in the lives of others. So today's altar call is a little different. If you need wisdom or direction from God, I want you to come up. I want you to take bold steps of faith, knowing that each step toward the front is a step closer to hearing from God and knowing the direction that he wants you to take. The second calling is, if you feel that God has placed you in the life of someone to help them in their walk with God, to help them move along and get closer to God, I want you to come up because I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit today that God may use you in a powerful way and give you biblical sound uh, uh, wisdom and advice so that you can share that with others. And lastly, if you had not taken the best advice ever given, which was accept the Lord as your Lord, as your personal Lord and Savior. If you have not taken that advice, then, then today is that day. It'll be, the de- it'll be the best decision that you ever made. The altar is open. I know there are so many that God has selected to help others. So I know that there are going to be people walking up right now. If God has placed someone in your life, if you all of a sudden find yourself as a, some kind of a role model, some kind of a, I need you to take a step of faith and allow God to pour into you this morning. Father God, right now we come before you. 
Father God, we thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for your direction. We thank you for your word that gives us an understanding and gives us knowledge. Father God, we're living in a time that there's all sorts of information all over, bombarding us through our phones, through our screens. Lord, I ask right now that you silence all the noise in our hearts and our minds and speak to us this morning. Tear down the walls, Lord, this morning that, that have been put up. Let us receive your word. Let us receive your advice. Let, it, let, let us sink into our hearts so that we may move forward in becoming the man, the woman that you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.